0: Today we take the time to honor moms, and this is a biblical thing. This is a commandment of God, the fifth commandment, not just to honor her for a day, but to honor her for our entire lives. This is also repeated in the New Testament. This is a directive from God to us today, and it is an important principle to live by that we honor our parents that we honor our father and mother and our mother is an amazing person our our mother works tirelessly but still has the time to make you feel like you're the most important i was given a, a reminder of an amazing story this week And it was of a family that had a child, had a son. But then uh, there was a lot of struggle with miscarriage and stillbirth. And this happened a number of times. And every time it was so hard on this family. And the pastor was involved in praying for this family Uh, because of all of these things. And and at a certain point, the pastor wasn't sure to say this or not, but went ahead and told the the family, you know what, because of all of these uh, pregnancy problems, maybe it's better to adopt. And so they listened to the pastor, and they decided to start the process of adoption. And as that was going on, the woman discovered that she was pregnant. Well, this family was a little sheepish to come back to the pastor, but they thought, you know what? Since he advised us to adopt, uh, we better go uh, share this news with him. Not sure what the pastor would say. And so they told him, and he did something they weren't expecting. Maybe they thought he was going to be upset or, or chew them out. Instead, he gets down on his knees and prays for the pregnancy it's going to be very unlikely that this woman is going to carry this baby to term because of all of the previous problems that she's had but this is what he does gets on his knees and asks for a healthy baby to be delivered i'm going to leave that right there until the end of the message because i know all of you are wondering how that story ends and that way you may stay awake for the rest of my sermon. But Proverbs in verse 25 of chapter 23 tells us that thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. It's an amazing thing when you start thinking of a, what a mother is and what a mother does. We're going to talk about ten amazing moms from the Bible. And we're going to start at the beginning, literally, literally at the beginning. For in Genesis, we read about a woman with the name Eve. In Hebrew, it's Hava. Hava means full of life, mother of life, life giver. And the Bible says that Adam called her Eve because she is the mother of all. You have DNA in you right now from Chava, from Eve. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. She is your mother. You came from her. Think about what it must have been like for Eve. To bear children in pain under the curse of sin. For, for Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And, and a curse was put not upon them, but upon the ground and upon you know, some of the, the, the things in life. Where now, instead of uh, easier life for the man, it was going to be a, a tougher life, a grueling life. For the woman, there was going to be pain in childbirth. And she was the first to experience the pain of childbirth. All of us men understand it 100% completely, what that's like. Because I had to hold my wife's hand while she was having those pains of childbirth, and my hand hurt real bad. (laughs) But she experienced that first. And I'm sure Adam's hand hurt real bad. But the pain went away when she saw her little boy Cain she had another son some believe that it might have been twins it doesn't say that in the Bible but it does kind of say you know she bore Cain and then she bore Abel and uh, it says that in Genesis 4 1 Adam knew Eve his wife she conceived and bare Cain and said I've gotten a man from the Lord and she again bare his brother Abel and Abel was a keeper of sheep but Cain was a tiller of the ground and you know the story They had a dispute, or at least Cain had a dispute, not with Abel, but with God, and was angry and ended up killing his brother. Can you imagine what Eve must have felt like? These little baby boys that she had birthed and had raised have now done something has been so horrible to where one is dead and they had never seen human death before, and the other now is going to have to flee the heartbreak of Eve must have been profound. And it must have been hard to deal with and hard to handle. And many of you women know what that's like. You know the heartbreak that, that we feel as humans often. As things happen in life or as our children disappoint us. Or maybe we can't have children. Whatever it is, there's this, this uh, pain that we feel. And Eve felt it first physically and then emotionally, as this happened. But every time we see a woman in pain in Scripture, we see God's grace. Because it says in verse 25 of Genesis 4, Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God said, she hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew And from Seth comes eventually the next person we're going to talk about the 10 amazing moms of the Bible. We're going to fast forward 1,600 years from the time of Adam and Eve all the way now to the time of Noah. Now we're going to call her Mrs. Noah because the Bible doesn't say what her name was, but there are early sources that tell us a couple different names that people have given to her. One is Nahama. The other is Amzara. We don't know her name, so we're going to go with Mrs. Noah. But she gives birth to three, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. You are also a descendant of Eve. uh, Not just of Eve, but of Mrs. Noah. You have DNA from her. And you're also a descendant of one of her three sons, Shem, Ham, or Japheth. Isn't this amazing? Now, Mrs. Noah must have had quite the experience in life. Remember, the world was terrible. It had devolved from the time sin entered the world and the first murder and then just things kept happening. There was violence and there was terrible things in the world and she had to see these things. She was part of a righteous family. Her husband was righteous from the line of Seth. And... He was doing right, and she was doing right, and they were trying to protect their family, raising their kids in a really wicked, perverse world. Does that sound like today? How about mothers today, what they're going through? Raising their kids with such wickedness around us, where you can't even uh, let the TV on for a few minutes without something uh, popping up there that can, can literally destroy your kids. If you let them watch that. So here we are in our society and mothers today doing everything they can to protect those little ones, not just from, you know, all the dangers of the world. Somebody sent us a picture. We live on a parsonage on the property. And uh, the other day they sent us a picture of a coyote, big coyote, kind of close to where we live. And it was during the daylight, it was in the morning. And we have grandbabies, grandkids. Now, I think that coyote would have met his match with Charlie, Willow, and Chloe, but I'm not sure I want to take the chance. You want to protect those kids, don't you? Now, now way over here today, I saw that same coyote in that same spot. So, what, I mean, we have all these dangers in the world, those kind of dangers, and then we have other sin, sin dangers. Well, can you imagine what it must have been like for Noah's wife? She gives birth to these three. It says in Genesis 7:13, in the self-same day, Noah and Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons, with them, entered the ark. Because of the wickedness of the world, God said, "I'm going to destroy the world with water." You say, "Well, that's just a story. There's no way that that's true. You, you cannot explain the geologic layers, the sedimentary layers, all across the globe. All the fossils, billions of fossils, laid down by water any other way. okay? The evolutionary paradigm says that all these layers took millions of years, little at a time. That can't fossilize these things. The Bible says it. The evolutionary paradigm won't say anything about a massive flood because it fits the Bible. So they're trying to give you an explanation of all the layers without the flood, without the global flood. But that's what it took to make all those layers. And even in the Grand Canyon, there's bent layers. How do you bend a layer? It has to be wet. Those layers weren't fractured at all. They were laid down wet. The ground moved. The layer bent. Now it's rock. I saw it for myself a year ago. I was on the rafting trip in the Grand Canyon. Boy, folks, the, the world flooded. The whole world flooded. And Mrs. Noah was on the ark. What that must have been like. Was she worried? Was she was she sad because of maybe some relatives she left behind? Maybe maybe uh, she was working so hard with Noah and making sure this all happened and, and they were hoping others would join them and the disappointment that no one got on the ark. And the loneliness that she probably felt as the ship was creaking and groaning. Surely a turbulent uh, ride for at least a, a hundred days or more. And then how long until they could get off this, this wooden ark? Then the whole world as they, as they stepped off, everything had died. It was a barren, desolate planet. And then she's also had hardship after that as Noah Um, gets drunk, and just awful things happen in life. And how do we address that? How do we deal with that? Well, she went through that, but because of her, we are here. Because she was on the ark and her sons were on the ark, and we came from her and her sons, we thank God for Mrs. Noah. And we also have her DNA in us as well. We're going to fast forward another bunch of years, this time about 450 years. We're going to fast forward from the time of the flood. Now we're going to go forward all the way to the time of Abraham. God had promised Abraham that he would have a son through his wife, Sarah. But they were getting old. The promise was a while ago. Nothing was happening on the pregnancy front. And so they decide, Sarah's idea, let's go forward with that. Let's have a child through our servant, which was something that was done in that day. It wasn't a wise thing. It was a a foolish thing. And they're still paying for it today. But Sarah says, take my servant, an Egyptian girl, Hagar, and he had a son. They called him Ishmael. Ishmael. So another famous mom of the Bible. Genesis 16:11, and the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. She now had a she was pregnant with a child and, and she did something foolish. Um, she started to flaunt that she was with child and and Sarah, who had come up with this idea, uh, was upset. You know, you come up with an idea and then it backfires on you, right? I wonder if her idea was, well, this will prove that it's not me, it's it's Abraham. But it wasn't Abraham, it was her, and she was barren, and, and now there's this, this pregnant girl. And then once she does have, Sarah does have a son eventually, there's a conflict there. Ishmael is uh, being hard on... Isaac, and so uh, Abraham sends them away. A hard life. Hagar had to go through hard times and a hard life. But the Lord saw her distress. The Lord provided her needs. The Lord even blessed her son and said that her son would be, uh, have many descendants. And he was the child of Abraham. And if you if you retrace that, and if you talk to a lot of the, the folks that are of Arab descent, they will say they have descended from Ishmael. Even Muhammad uh, said he was a descendant of Ishmael. And so all of the problems that, that Israel faces today, all the way, all these centuries later, they're still dealing with this conflict, aren't they? Of Ishmael and Isaac. But God heard her. That's what Ishmael means. God hears. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God hears when, and no matter what, where you're from, no matter what you've done, God hears you. You call out to him in sincerity and humility, and you have a need, call out to him and ask him to help you with that problem. God hears Ishmael. We're gonna fast forward another 13 years. Sarah's now 90, folks, 90. Abraham's 100. She still doesn't have a child. Wow. And they say Sarah was a very beautiful woman, uh, but she was barren. So God might give you certain things and he's not gonna give you certain things. And often we wanna complain about the things that God doesn't give us. Let me give give you just a little secret that will really help you through your life today. Focus on the things that God has done for you. If you start focusing on the things that God hasn't done for you, you're gonna live a mi- miserable existence. Focus on what God has done for you. Praise him for that. Remember he is good. And if He if there's something he hasn't given you that you have a desire for, just say, Lord, I understand that you're good and there's a reason that you're holding this back or you're, there's a reason you're allowing this in my life and just trust him on that. But then return to focusing on all those blessings that you have. And so a barren Sarah at 90 laughs at the thought as God reiterates the promise to bless them with a son who will have many descendants who will bless the whole world. She laughs at that, but then she becomes pregnant at 90. Abraham is a hundred and they name the son laughter, Isaac. Isaac means laughter. Genesis 21, 3, this famous mom, Sarah, and Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. Every time you said, Isaac, you're saying, laughter, laughter. Where are you, laughter? That would kind of keep things light in the house, wouldn't it? I think we need to keep things light in the house. But Sarah becomes the mother, of not just Isaac, but the mother of all the Jewish people. And if you have Jewish ancestry, I'm jealous of you. I took a DNA test thing, and it came back zero Jewish blood, and I was disappointed in that. Some of you have Jewish blood. You have some DNA from Sarah. What a wonderful woman. Yeah, she had issues, problems, failures, but at the end of the day, she's blessed the world because you have a Savior that came through Sarah, through the son of promise, not the son of works, Not the son of doing it your own way, doing it yourself. That's not how you are going to be saved, by doing it your way. You're going to be saved by believing God. By trusting in Jesus, who came through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, through Sarah. We're going to fast forward another 40 years. We're going to come to another famous mom in the Bible. Her name is Rebecca. Rebecca was also beautiful. Her name means captivating. How would you like that to be uh, your name, captivating? And uh, she's also the mother of all Jews. So if you're Jewish, you have her DNA as well. And she gives birth to twins, twins. Uh, Genesis 25, 21 says, and as Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. Isn't that weird? Um, Isaac's mom was barren. And now she she's barren. You think that God is, is using that as something that's going to help them develop faith? And sometimes that's why God allows whatever it is in your life so that you can develop faith. So that you can be a better person, that you can be more like Christ, and more trusting in the Lord. You say, I don't understand it. It might not be barrenness anyways, but whatever it is, whatever you think that, that God has done that doesn't seem good to you, say, Lord, I, I, I know you're allowing this for a reason. And so she, when she finally does have, uh children and, it, and they had been praying for this the lord was entreated of him and rebecca his wife conceived what a joy then it would be to finally conceive if you were barren and the children struggled together within her now i think pregnancy is hard enough with with the with the two boys fighting inside of you can you imagine what that would be like <laughs> and she said if it be so why am i thus you know she went to inquire of the lord What's going on? Why am I feeling this this tumult inside me, literally? And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. The two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. What a strange thing to hear from God. Just just be ready for anything in this journey of life, in this Christian life, because you never know what God is going to do? What strange things He's going to do? Why would the younger be the the uh, the leader and the elder be the servant? Jacob, as as she's delivering, uh, is actually holding on to the heel of his older brother by minutes. Esau, you imagine that? And the boys' descendants continue to struggle to this day because Israel has struggled with her neighbors for years even even to just days ago as rockets continue uh, had continued to go between Gaza and Israel but later we know Rebecca was kind of a favorite of Jacob Jacob was more of a homebody Esau was more of a dad's boy and rugged and loved to hunt and go out and prepare a really great meal of the hunting that he had gone and done. And uh, Jacob was kind of a mama's boy a little bit. And she, I think, added to this a little bit. I'm not here to criticize moms, but do not be a uh, a, a helicopter. Okay. You've got to let your kids go. Okay, you've got to let them go. Be careful about that. But she helps Jacob deceive Isaac. And you all know the story of how that went. But we praise God for Rebecca, for a woman of faith, a woman that had struggle within her, and the woman that, again, blessed the world because of the Jewish people that came from her. Because Jesus, the Savior of every person that believes, was Jewish. He also would have come through Rebecca. We're going to fast forward another 80 years. We're going to come to another famous mom, amazing mom of the Bible, another barren woman. Jacob worked for 14 years for Rachel. 14 years. But he said it seemed like just a few days. That's love, folks. That's love. But there was a tension and there was a jealousy in her life as well with her sister. Her sister was having children and she wasn't having children. And, and, and that's another hardship and a heartache for Rachel. But then finally, Rachel gives birth. Genesis 30 verse 22. And God remembered Rachel and God hearkened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bare a son and said, God hath taken away my reproach. What does that mean? Well, in that day, it, it would seem like, like God was doing something against you if you couldn't have children. And that was the culture and that was the idea. And so it was a, it was a shameful thing. So she bears a son. She calls his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. You know, it interesting how they named people in the Bible Joseph? How many of you have thought of the name Joseph, which means God will give? And as she's had this first son, she's saying, God will give me another son. Joseph, God will give. Now we know Joseph was very famous in the Bible. He was the reason that, um, Israel grew and flourished and saved the world from a famine and, and, uh, just an amazing man. So that must have been a delight. And he was a delight for his father, Jacob. And then it came time for Rachel to have another child, a second son. It says in Genesis 35, 16, and they journeyed from Bethel. And, and how would you like to be traveling when you're Uh, great with child. We know Mary later would travel in that same region, great with child. But here is Rachel. And in the very place that Mary's going to have Jesus, hundreds of years before, it says in Genesis 35, 16, they were a little way to come to Ephrata, Ephrata. And Rachel travailed and had hard labor. There was a problem. There was a medical problem with this delivery and this, this labor was, was going bad. It, and it came to pass, verse 17, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died. She was literally dying as she gave birth to this next son. She called his name Benoni which literally means son of my sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Now that's not just a coincidence. She says, son of my sorrow. Jacob says, son of my right hand. And then later, a descendant of Jacob would be both. Jesus son of my sorrow. God the Father saw his son dying on the cross, becoming sin, separated from the Father, crucified, and then the resurrection, son of my right hand, for Jesus is today at the right hand of the Father in the same place that Jesus was born. Rachel, another amazing mom, yes, she gave her life to deliver her son. We're going to fast forward 200 more years and we come to the children of Israel now in captivity. J- Joseph had, had brought them all to Egypt. They had grown into this big nation and It had scared the, the Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph, a new Pharaoh, and they started to persecute and be hard on the children of Israel as they lived there in Goshen and were prospering. And so the Pharaoh decided to try to kill these baby boys. But there was a woman by the name of Jochebed that said, no, I will not obey the government if that means the death of my child. I will protect my child. I will... Put my child into a basket and put him in the river and my daughter will watch. Exodus 6.20, and Amram took him, Jochebed, his father's sister to wife, and she bare him Aaron and Moses. We also know that she bore Miriam, the, his sis, their sister. And the years of the life of Amram were 137 years. Well, the story of faith, she's mentioned, not by name, but by inference in the hebrews hall of faith what a wonderful place to end up as a woman of the bible there she is why because she said i'm gonna trust god i'm not gonna allow my son to to die and then that little baby and that little basket in the bulrushes is noticed by the daughter of pharaoh raised up in pharaoh's house spends time in the wilderness comes back and is used by God to deliver the people from slavery into freedom because of a godly woman named Jochebed. We're going to fast forward 200 more years. I know we're taking a a Zoom through time today. And we come to, now Israel is in the land. We come back to Bethlehem, by the way. Bethlehem is where this next mother lived. She moved there from Moab. She was a Moabitess woman. She wasn't Jewish. But she married a Jewish man. He died. She went with Naomi, her mother-in-law, into Israel. They lived there in Bethlehem. And you know the story. She met a man. And he was a, a good man. A wealthy man. I don't think that's what she was after but he was godly in that he did what God said to do and he redeemed her. It's an incredible story of redemption. And that's the story of the Bible. The Bible has all of these stories of redemption. Why? Because we're sinners. We need saving. We need redeeming. And Boaz, the man that she met from Bethlehem, was a man who was in line to be a a kinsman Someone that was related and he could buy her back by marrying her and redeeming the name of her former husband. And she marries him. It's an amazing story in the book of Ruth. And she has a child. Her child's name is Obed in Ruth 4.13. So Boaz took Ruth and she was his wife. And when he went into, unto her, the Lord gave her conception and she bear a son. Now remember, all of these births are painful. They're all a reminder every time there's a birth. It's a reminder of the curse of sin, that we need redemption, that we need a Savior, that we need a Redeemer, all of us. Do we have a Redeemer? Do we have one that is related to us, one of us? Do we have one that's willing and able to redeem us? Yes, his name is Jesus. Jesus came through Ruth and Obed and Jesse, and David. In other words, Ruth became the great-grandmother of the great King David. Is God amazing? Is God a God of redemption? A God that can take a story of hardship and turn it into a story that is going to bring himself glory? He can absolutely do that, and I want to encourage you today, especially to your moms. That's what God is capable of. Just continue to trust him. Trust him. Now we're going to fast forward a thousand more years. Now we're coming into the time of the New Testament to talk about our last two amazing moms of the Bible. There was a woman who was older. The Bible says uh, that she was stricken in years. We don't know the exact age, but we would assume certainly a woman passed the age to deliver a baby. She also was barren. We kind of find this as a recurring theme in our scripture That we've been studying today. Her name was Elizabeth. She was the wife of the priest. She also was of the priestly lineage herself. Her husband was on duty in the temple. He was actually the one that was given the responsibility to do the incense in the holy place. And he stayed in a long time, and people were starting to worry about him. Where is Zacharias? And while he was in there, they had been holy, they had been righteous, they had been keeping the commandments. But I also believe that they knew that they couldn't save themselves. They had put their trust in God that he would deliver them from their sin. And while he was in there, an angel appeared to him, the announcing angel, Gabriel, and tells him that Elizabeth, in her old age, and he is in his old age, is going to have a son. The son is going to be great, who's going to be preparing the hearts and minds of Israel to receive the Messiah. He becomes mute. He cannot talk. He comes out. They wonder what in the world's wrong with him. He comes home. That must have been an interesting nine months for Elizabeth conceives. And it says in Luke 157, her full time came that she should be delivered. She brought forth a son and her neighbors and cousins heard now how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her and they rejoiced with her. Don't you love? rejoicing at the birth of children. It's the most wonderful thing we can do because it's it's another life. It's another miracle. It's another thing that God has done, especially in their situation. Not just that she was going to have a child in her old age, but she was going to have a child that was going to be used of God in a mighty way. Now, she was the cousin of the most famous mother in the Bible, Mary. And Mary, when Mary heard that she was going to have a child without knowing a man, she comes all the way from Nazareth down to the hill country where they live, where Zacharias and Elizabeth lived, somewhere near Jerusalem, knocks on the door, opens the door, when the voice of Mary brings greetings to Elizabeth, Elizabeth, who was six months pregnant, feels the baby jump. And the baby leapt. Because, first of all, life begins in the womb, okay? Not once they're born. You know, it's crazy to me that we tell women not to do certain things, drink certain things, smoke certain things, take certain things when they're pregnant because it'll hurt the baby. But then we say, it's her body, it's her choice. She can do whatever she wants. Then why would we punish a woman that's using meth that's pregnant? It doesn't make sense, does it? No, there's life in the womb. And the baby leapt in the womb. And, and, and here Elizabeth is now a mother in this incredible story. And they, they stayed together until it was time for Elizabeth to have her child. Mary went back home and then John the Baptist was born. What an amazing, amazing thing that must have been. And now we come to the tenth and most famous mother Amazing mom of the Bible, and that, of course, is Mary. Now, I'll just tell you this. Mary was a blessed woman. That's what Elizabeth proclaimed. you want to read a beautiful uh, passage of Scripture, read about Elizabeth blessing Mary and blessing Mary's child. She was a good woman. Mary was a righteous woman. Mary wasn't a perfect woman because there aren't any. You have a good mom, probably, but your mom is a sinner. I'm a sinner. We've all sinned, okay? And Mary is gonna give birth to the Messiah. It's been the hope of all Jewish women for centuries to be that person selected. And then Gabriel, Luke 1.30 says, uh, unto her, fear not Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. She was a descendant of David. She also had ancestry under Aaron because she was a cousin to Elizabeth who was from Aaron as well. So she had both a priestly lineage and also a king, lineage of a king just as predicted in Scripture that this Messiah would come from David. She was a carpenter's wife. She was lowly, but she was of royal and priestly lineage. She wasn't perfect, but she was highly favored. We don't pray to Mary. We pray to Jesus, okay? But what a wonderful, wonderful woman she was. But she had to face hardship. Can you imagine the angst that she had in her life? Elizabeth lost her son John the Baptist was decapitated can you imagine how how that hurt and how that felt to Elizabeth we know it it impacted Jesus in a profound way for when he heard the news he had to go away into a private place and then Mary there was always this suspicion about her she she must not have been faithful because there's no such thing as a virgin birth But there was. But there was always this cloud of suspicion about her. But she was still faithful. If people don't understand you, people don't understand your situation, or they're quick to judge, just turn that over to the Lord and say, Lord, one day you'll make everything right. Okay? Trust the Lord in that. But then Mary also had to see her baby nailed to a cross. There she was at the cross. To see her innocent perfect son now every all, all of you mothers say your son is perfect right mom okay thank you she's usually really vocal until just now but um no i mean you all uh, you know your grandkids are perfect right amen but he really was he was perfect and there he was on the cross on the cross he honors his mother and says john take care of my mom on the cross in excruciating pain, barely able to breathe, take care of my mom. What an amazing mom Mary was because she got to see her son again after he died. She got to see a resurrected Savior. What a blessed woman she is. What amazing mom all of these women are, but especially Mary, the mother of our Savior, a descendant of Eve, a descendant of Mrs. Noah, descendant of Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and a descendant of Ruth, a descendant of David. Jesus, exactly as predicted, comes, lives a perfect life, heals many people, dies on a cross, all of these things predicted, buried in a rich man's tomb, rises again, all-fulfilling, all of the scriptures. He is the son of God. He is the savior. He is the promised one. And Mary had to believe in him just as I have to believe in him. And all of our good moms have to believe in him. And when you finally say, I can't save myself, I put my trust in Jesus. He will save you. He will save you. Okay. It's not about religion. It's not about doing it by your own efforts. The Bible says that you and I have sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus came. He had no sin. He became sin for us that we might be made, what? The righteousness of God in him. When you believe that Jesus died for your sins on the cross, there's no longer sin separating you from him. And you trust in him. The Bible says that you're saved. I know that was... Karen and I's desire for our children, we prayed every day that they would be saved. We prayed every day that they not only would be saved, but they would serve Jesus. And God has been faithful. God has heard our cry, Ishmael. God hears. God hears. Have you received by faith Jesus? If you haven't, please do it today. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the good news. That's the hope of salvation through Jesus. Let me end with the story I started with. In our radio program, we take my messages and we play it over two days. So those of you coming in to this day on the radio, you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. So let me set it up again. There was once a family that came to the pastor after having a lot of miscarriages and and stillbirths Uh, to tell him after he had suggested adopting instead of having more children that she's now expecting. Instead of scolding them or being disappointed or shaking his head, he drops to his knees and prays for a safe delivery. This is very unlikely. After all of the things that she's gone through, it's very unlikely that she's going to deliver a healthy or or even a living child. And as the pregnancy progressed, and often they did, they went pretty far into term, uh, the prayers continued. The prayers continued and the prayers continued. And then one day, a healthy baby girl was born. And the prayers were answered of my dad and the darlings. For Laura, a member of our church, was born. And I was reminded of that story this week because Laura's mom, Holly, died um, Tuesday. Suffering through dementia, breathed her last breath with her faithful husband, Mike, by her side. And I heard that story moments after she died, sitting with Mike and his family. He reminded me of all of that. I heard it before, but it struck me anew. It struck me how God is faithful. God is good. God hears our prayers. Not to say that that's going to happen every time, but it happened that time. It happened that time. And Laura is such a blessing, not just to the Darling family, but to her husband, Brian, to her children, to all of us. Let's give a huge hand to the Darlings, Mike, Laura, Brian, Tim, and Dan. We. We're going to miss Holly. They were the first people married in our church, in our Palatine building, the first building that we had, the first couple married there. I was a, a little ring bearer in the wedding. And, uh, and we're going to miss Holly. And uh, we'll, we'll, honor, we'll honor her memory. Holly, by the way, um, had Jewish ancestry as well. And so for that, um, we appreciate her, appreciate all the Jewish uh, people in the world. Why? Because they brought us Jesus. We have no right to do anything but love the Jewish people. Thank them for what they've done. And uh, we have an opportunity this week to go to Washington, D.C. to uh, be at an event celebrating 75 years of the modern nation of Israel. They're turning 75 this week. And we'll be at a an event with uh, uh, some people in, in D.C. celebrating that, a couple events there. We love the Jewish people and we support the Jewish people. Have you put your faith in Jesus? If you haven't, you can do it today because he died on a cross for your sins. He didn't have any sins. See, the sin nature is passed down by the Father. That's our contribution, you know? We, we don't have really a whole lot to do with this uh, children being born. <laughs> Uh, We actually contribute to them in their sin nature, but there was no human father of Jesus. He was conceived of the Holy Ghost. So he was one of us. He was a human. Remember the kinsman redeemer had to be related. He had to be one of us, but he could not have sin. He wasn't born with sin and he never sinned. He died on a cross for our sin. And if you'll trust in him, you'll be saved today, tomorrow, and forever. That's the good news. That's the hope that we have in Jesus. Born of a good woman, but a woman that also needed a savior, a redeemer. We thank God for mothers. We thank God the most for Jesus.